The Mysterious Origins of This Unnervingly Lifelike Japanese Doll from the 1800s by Juliet Bennett Ryla from Atlas Obscura In the Ripley's Auditorium in Amsterdam, there's a loincloth-clad doll that is so incredibly detailed and realistic, they say you might mistake it for a real person. Adored by company founder Robert Ripley since he acquired it in the 1930s, Edward Meyer, Ripley's VP of Exhibits and Archives, says it's one of the collection's most popular objects. And everybody wants to lift the loincloth, he adds, with a laugh. We're told that what's beneath a loincloth is equally realistic. However, depending on who you ask, this doll has one of two origin stories. The swan song of an artist who, believing he was at death's door, desired to give one last gift to the woman he loved or one of only many magnificently detailed dolls constructed by a working-class craftsman. Either way, the confusion about the extremely rare doll's origin is only part of the mystery. Its journey to the United States is its own mystery. Both stories begin in 19th-century Yokohama, Japan. Hananuma Masakichi was an artist who specialized in ikiningyo, or living dolls. According to Alan Scott Pate, an expert in Japanese dolls, these came about in the 1700s and achieved great popularity in the mid-1800s. They were put on display and people paid money to see them, akin to the wax museums of today. The legend is that Masakichi completed this particular doll in 1885, when he was desperately in love but was dying of tuberculosis. He decided to make a lifelike statue in his own image to gift to his beloved so that she might always remember him. As he wasted away, he labored in his studio, surrounded by mirrors so that he could see every part of his body. He forged the statue out of 2,000 pieces of wood, recreating every curve and crevice. He drilled small holes into the doll's skin to act as follicles, then plucked the corresponding hair out of his own body and inserted the strands into the doll. He did this with the hair on his head, but also his eyebrows, body hair, and pubic hair. Some rumors say he gave the doll his fingernails. Others claim it was his teeth, though Meyer says the doll's mouth is not open wide enough for anyone to confirm. Despite his efforts, the woman he loved left Masakichi, possibly because he spent all his free time making this doll. And as it would turn out, either he didn't have tuberculosis or made a miraculous recovery. He lived another decade before dying, penniless, at age 63. Tragic story for sure, but is it true? Pate believes that this was just another work for Masakichi, and that it might not have even been a recreation of the artist. There is no tradition of self-portraiture in Japan, particularly at this time. It was very likely that the statue was just a hyper-realistic doll, and it's not necessarily of Masakichi himself, Pate says. He says that the lean build of the figure, perceived by some as gaunt, would have been typical of a physically active Japanese workman of the time, such as a basket peddler or a rickshaw driver. Pate does not doubt that the sculpture contains real human hair, but perhaps not Masakichi's own. Pate says the hair would have been readily available at a shop, not unlike painting and crafting supplies at art stores today. Regardless, to make the doll would have required excellent craftsmanship. Pate explains how these dolls were made. Depending on how the figure was going to be displayed, sections of it would be carved wood, other sections would be a molded composite of pulverized wood and sawdust mixed with glue. There would be wire armature inside to help position and strengthen. The exterior skin, if you will, was a material called gofen. Gofen is a crushed oyster or clamshell mixed with an animal glue, 
and all traditional Japanese dolls use that as a surface material. It could be, in certain iterations, molded and sculpted like lacquer. But then, in its more finely attenuated elements, it serves as a highly polished skin. People think it's porcelain, but it's actually this very highly water-soluble material. What we do know is that the doll made its way from Yokohama to the United States in the 1890s, where it was first displayed at the International Temple of Art in Sacramento in 1894. According to Pate's research, it was likely a person named Colonel Smith, it's not clear if he was a real colonel, who bought and transported the doll. Articles of the time referred to the doll as a self-portrait of the artist, but skipped the love story. Even without the tale, viewers were awed by how realistic the doll was. Pate has tracked the doll from Sacramento through a number of owners to a series of places where it was similarly displayed. Throughout that trajectory, Pate says the story grew and grew. In an 1898 issue,